The following audio is from Norris Ferry Community Church. More information about Norris Ferry Community Church is available at norrisferrychurch.org. Good morning. You guys doing well? Good. You're excited to be here? Yes, good. Well, God is good. Every day, God is good. And that's what we are going to talk about this morning. This morning, we are starting our summer series. And as you look up there on the attributes of God, on who he is. And when I say God, I want you to know that I'm talking about the God of the Bible. I am not talking about anyone else. I'm solely talking about the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible is self-defined and self-disclosed. The God of the Bible is not defined by us on who we think he is, but he's defined on who he says he is. We're going to focus this summer on, on some of God's moral attributes and some of God's mental attributes. And in two, 10 weeks, we're going to discuss God is good, that God is love, that God is full of mercy, grace, and patience, that, that God is holy, that he is peace, that God is just, that God is jealous, God is all-knowing, God is wise, God is truth. And let me state for this series, we cannot, you cannot, I cannot take an attribute of God, believe it, and disbelieve one of his other attributes. We cannot. That is vital. It is vital that we look to scripture and see what the Bible says again and again on who he is. And that's what we're going to do this summer. We're going to look at all those attributes. And I know these are just some of his moral attributes and mental attributes, but this is who God says he is. And it's going to be a great time, so I I hope and I pray that, that the Lord just draws you near to himself. We're excited about this study, and there's going to be different guys up here preaching every week, and it's going to be fun. It's going to be awesome to see who God declares who he is. And I I pray that the Lord will use it to draw you to himself because there is none. There is none like him. He is God and he is good. This morning, that's what we're going to talk about. God's goodness. We're going to see that God is good, that he is the standard of good, that he is the source of good. And that should impact our lives today. That should impact our lives in this very moment as we worship him, as we read his word. And that should impact our lives for the rest of our lives until we meet him face to face. So let me pray before we dive in. Um, We're going to cover a lot. And I'm not going to give adequate amount of time to certain stuff. um, But God is good. All right. God is good. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for your word and your truth. I thank you for disclosing and defining yourself to us. Father, in your word, in your truth, in Jesus Christ. Father, we can see that that you are good. That from you comes good. 
Lord, I, I pray that that will impact our lives today and that we will worship you for your goodness, for your love, for your mercy, for your grace, because your goodness includes all of these attributes about you. Father, please just use me, use these scriptures to leap off the pages, to leap off the screens and into the hearts of the people here today. Father, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. So how many of you have heard this phrase? And this will totally bomb if you don't know this phrase. But I'm pretty sure you will know this phrase. I know at least Tracy will know the phrase. He yelled it last service and I was like, yeah, good. God is good. All the time, God is good good all the time, all the time, God is good. Do you believe that statement? Do you believe that phrase, those words that come off your lips, that come from your tongue? Do you believe it? Do you believe when you repeat that statement? Do you believe that God is good, that he is the definition of good, that he is the standard of good? Do you believe that he is good all of the time? That is who he is all of the time. Do you believe that? Do you believe in every aspect of creation, in every action he does, in every moment of life, that he is good? Turn with me to Luke 18, and here in Luke 18, we're going, we're going to see God's goodness. That God's goodness is the standard of good. And quickly from Luke 18, we'll, we'll jump to some other passages, but Luke 18 is where we're going to start. What does the goodness of God mean? Tony Evans, he says, God's goodness can be defined as the collective perfections of his nature and the benevolence of his acts. God is good by nature, and he is good in what he does. And Wayne Grudem, he defines God's goodness this way. The goodness of God means that God is the final standard of good. And all that God is and does is worthy of approval. Essentially, this means that, that God is good and his Nature is good, and everything that he does is good. So in in Luke 18, we see this rich young ruler, probably a ruler of a synagogue. He knows the laws. He does um, the the laws and what he does. He sacrifices. He he gives. He he does everything that he's told. And he's been watching, and he's listening to Jesus. He's a follower of, of the rules, and he's been watching and listening to Jesus. And there's something that Jesus is saying. There's something that is drawing him to Jesus. And so he he goes up to Jesus and he he asks, what must he do to receive eternal life? And that's a genuine question. It's a genuine question. Look at the question and what Jesus responds. Luke 18, 18 through 19. And a ruler asked him, good teacher, good teacher. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, why do you call me good? Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. No one is good except God alone. So this this man, a follower of the laws, he calls out to Jesus, good teacher, how do I receive eternal life? And Jesus responds, why do you call me good? See, Christ, he reacts towards the man's superficial definition of good. 
it is not, he's basically saying it is not proper to address me as good if you don't believe in who I am. No one is good but God alone. And he says this to the rich man to help him realize that Christ was God. That he tries to point the ruler's attention towards God in whom is good, in whom ultimately, ultimate goodness resides. God is the standard of good. No one is good but God alone. He is the definition of good. No one is good but God alone. And only in understanding God as infinitely good can this rich young ruler discover that his human deeds cannot earn him eternal salvation. No one is good but God alone. So if God is the definition of good, then it is only by looking at God that we can truly determine what is truly good. It is only by looking at God that we can determine if anything is truly good at all. We don't know good apart from God. We don't know good apart from God. We cannot know what is good unless we compare it to God. Unless we compare it to the scripture. As Grudem said, God is the final standard of good and all that God is and does is worthy of approval. See, we're we're not free to decide what is worthy of approval. Only God can do that. God's being and action is worthy of his own approval. And he, therefore, is the final standard. He is the final standard of good. And he is the only one with the authority to define who he is. He's the only one with authority to define who he is. No one is good but God alone. He's originally good, and he cannot be less good than he is. He cannot be less good than he is. Uh, There's a Latin phrase, sumum bonum. And what that means is the highest good. They created this word because from this highest good had to come all goodness. Let me tell you, God is the highest good. God is sumum bonum. Scripture declares that that God's goodness is the sum total of his attributes. And we see this in Exodus 33 and 34. And I loved reading this as I prepped for this sermon. Moses, he asked to see the Lord's glory on Mount Sinai. Turn to Exodus 33 if you have your Bible. It'll be on the screen too. But Exodus 33, Moses, he he said, please show me your glory. And God, he responds and he says, I will make all my goodness pass before you. I will make all my goodness pass before you and will, will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And as I read that, and as I read Jesus' response, I thought, what is Moses thinking at God's, at God's response? Wouldn't that just blow you away? Lord, show me your glory. Okay, I'll show you all of my goodness, and I'm going to pass my full goodness by you. And then I'm going to declare to you who I am. He describes himself. He defines himself. The Lord's whole character and nature is going to pass by Moses. And watch, God's goodness is described. Exodus 34, 6 through 7. 
the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children, the third and fourth generation. The Lord, the Lord is good. The Lord's goodness is described here. The Lord's character and his nature is described here in this passage that he is grace, that he is mercy that he is slow to anger, that he is full of steadfast love and faithfulness, that he is forgiving. He's also just, and a part of his goodness is his wrath. God is good. So everything he does, everything he is, is good. His goodness summarizes the rest of his attributes and who he is. I love it. If you're friends with me on Facebook, you saw a quote I put it from Grudem. It's, it's great. God's mercy is his goodness towards those in distress. His grace is his goodness towards those who deserve only punishment. His patience is his goodness towards those who continue to sin over a period of time. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your patience as I continue to sin daily. That is God's goodness. God is good and from him comes good. We see that God's goodness is not just the standard, but it's also the source of good. He is the source of good. From the very start of scripture in Genesis 1 and 2, in Genesis 1, you see the word good mentioned seven times, right? After each aspect of creation, he says, it is good. And then the the last one, the seventh time, he creates man. And at the very end of all of his creation, he says, it is very good. And you find this in Genesis 1.31. God saw everything that he made and behold, it was very good. Good, and there was evening and morning on the sixth day. From him, everything was created, and it was very good. So, God is the source of good. Nothing that comes from him can be evil. Did you hear me? Nothing that comes from him can be evil. Only good can be given and created by God. So, the earth and Adam and Eve were created in a perfect harmony with God and a perfect relationship with him. There was no pain. There was no suffering. But there was only good. And I know for us that is extremely hard to imagine. In a world like we live in today, where I turn on the news in the morning or I get on the news on on Twitter following Shreveport and I see murder after murder after murder. That's hard for us to wrap our minds around. But in this passage, God, he's giving us an idea of what his creation was like in that very moment. He's letting us see creation and see the world from his view. And guess what? It was very good. It answered to his purpose. And it expressed his own goodness. 
Think about being in creation, looking at the multitude of stars, the sun, the moon, being out in the wilderness, being on a mountaintop, looking at the rivers and the lakes or the countless woods that surround us here in Shreveport. They all reflect God's goodness. All of his creation reflects God's goodness. He provides life and he provides good. If you have an opportunity this week, go to Psalms 104 and reflect on God's goodness in his creation. And then Genesis, Genesis continues, right, after Genesis 2 and what comes uh, in Genesis 3. What comes in Genesis 3? Yeah, the fall, sin, sin, the invasion of sin. Genesis It continues to show us the invasion of sin, why things have changed, but it indicates that no blame can be given and should be attributed to God. No blame should be given to God for sin, for the evil in this world. So let me address something real quick, and and I'm not giving it the adequate amount of time it needs. But there's an obvious question, and it's the question of this truth that, that God is good. How can God be good when there's horrible, evil things happening in this world today, this very moment? Why does he allow bad things to happen? Well, tornadoes, hurricanes, corruption, famine, murder, family discord, They weren't a part of God's original plan with creation. When he created, it was good. As we just read, God created the earth and he did not create it with problems. So when sin came into the world, the earth developed its current problems. Look at James 1.13. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil and he himself tempts no one. God, he can test people, but he will not tempt people. God cannot be tempted with evil because he is good. He is the standard of good. He is the source of good. He would never tempt you to do evil, to stray from your faith, to seek sin, to harm your faith. When you're in sin, you cannot blame God. Evil in creation must be attributed to someone other than God. Because that's not who he is. He is good. He is sovereign and in control of everything. But evil cannot be attributed to him. So God is not the author of evil. But but let me say, he can definitely use all things for his glory. And that includes evil. And But on the other side of that, God is the source of everything good. If you continue down in James, James 1, 17 through 18, every good gift and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Every good gift must be attributed to God. He's the source of everything good. So family, friends, job, rain, sunshine, mountains, rivers. There is nothing on this earth, in this world, that is truly good and has a different origin than from God. So the creator, the father of lights, as James uses us, 
uses here. He shows that the stars in the sky are constant. They are unchanging, and that is the same as God's goodness. But he says, God's goodness, it doesn't waver. It doesn't change. It's not like the shadows that the sun and the moon create. It doesn't come and go, but it is constant. God is good all of the time and all of the time. God is good. God is the standard of good and he is the source of good. Nothing else can be attributed to him. No evil can be attributed to him. He's not the author of evil. So does God give goodness to all? Does God give goodness to his children and to those who don't believe him? Yes. Yes. Theologians call that common grace. And this is the grace that that God gives to all people. Their life is a gift of God's goodness to them. But I want to focus on the special grace that is given to those believers. And that's eternal life through his son, Jesus Christ. So listen at how God desires to give good things to his children, to those who accept him. No good thing does the Lord withhold from those who walk uprightly. For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. In everything, God works for the good with those who love him. And our heavenly father will give much more to us than our earthly father. Our heavenly father will give good things to those who ask him. God, he delights in giving his children good gifts. And especially the best thing of all, he gives himself. God's the standard of good and from him comes good. And the ultimate gift, the ultimate good and perfect gift given to us is his son, Jesus Christ. Let's look at the cross. This is where we are today. We're more fortunate than Moses being able to see God's goodness because God revealed himself more clearly through his son, Jesus. In Jesus, we see God's goodness and truth. So think about Christ. Think about the gift of Christ in your life. Jesus himself embodies God's goodness. From the moment in Genesis, God, he had a redemption plan, and that was his goodness, the gift of Jesus Christ. Jesus' Jesus's presence here on earth proclaims that God is good. Jesus' life, death, burial, and resurrection proclaims that God is good. For God so loved the world that why he, while, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. God shows his love for us while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. The free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us. That is God's goodness. And it's through Christ that we're given God's goodness. Because he came and he lived a perfect life one without sin, and he went to the cross to endure God's full wrath so that you and I, so that we wouldn't have to. God endured, Jesus endured God's full wrath. 
But God still would have been good if he would have taken his wrath and poured it out on us. God still would have been just in that. He still would have been good because we deserve his wrath. But what did he do? He turned to his perfect son and he sacrificed him because of his goodness so that we could receive that gift. And Jesus, he, he raised from the dead. He was resurrected. And because of this, we get to receive God's goodness and we're born again to this living hope, the hope that is in Jesus Christ. And it's in our belief of this to repent of our sins and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, that there is no one who is good but God alone. And as believers... It's only because of Jesus Christ that we can partake in the goodness of God by receiving his love, his mercy, his forgiveness, his discipline, his faithfulness. So believer, God's goodness is what our hope is in. When we are in trials, when we are in suffering, when we seem to question if, if he is really good, if he is really there, when we see the wicked having more worldly success than, than we are, I want you to remember God's goodness. I want you to remember God's gift to us, and that's Christ. Our hope is, the, is in the sovereign God who is in control of everything. Our hope is in the trust of his son who had to suffer for God's glory so that you and I can now receive the spirit and praise his name for his goodness, for what he's done in our lives. Our hope is in God's goodness because of his goodness. Remember the good gift that he's given you, and that is in Christ. As First Peter 1 says, our hope is in the living Savior Though the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead in whom we will receive an inheritance. So this inheritance is imperishable. It's undefiled. It's unfading. See, God's goodness was provided to us through Jesus Christ. And one day he's going to return. One day he's going to return to us and for us. And we're going to receive this inheritance. We will be his people. He will be our God. This earth with this suffering and this evil, guess what? It's going to pass away. It is going to pass away. And Revelations 21 says we will be with Jesus. He is going to dwell with us and he's going to wipe away every tear. There will be no more death. There will be no more mourning. No more crying, no more pain. For all of that will have passed away. Remember, beginning of Genesis, God's goodness before sin entered the world. God's goodness will restore us to this relationship with him. Jesus Christ has restored us to God and one day we're going to dwell with him. And in, all, and in all of his goodness, we're going to dwell. And when that day comes, when that day comes, when we are with him in heaven, we're going to shout for how great is your goodness, for how great is your beauty. All because of his goodness poured out to us through his son, Jesus Christ. 
God is good. He is the standard of good. He is the source of good. From him comes good. No, nothing else can be attributed to him. No evil can be attributed to God. He is not the origin of evil. And one day we will praise him for his goodness. So here we are with this knowledge that God is the standard of good, that he is the source of good. What do we do with it? What do we do with this knowledge? See, you cannot, you cannot believe God is good and it not change, it not affect your life. You cannot believe that. You cannot believe each one of these truths of who God is and it not affect and change your life. As a Christian, it is going to affect your life. And we're just going to look at two aspects of how God's goodness changes our life. God's goodness evokes us to worship and thanksgiving and God's goodness produces in us good work. God's goodness evokes worship and thanksgiving. We see this throughout the whole Bible. When, when Moses saw and was told who the Lord was, what did he do? He bowed on his face and he worshiped. All throughout the Psalms, you see over and over of God's goodness. Listen to some of these. Praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and wonderful deeds for men. Taste, taste and see that the Lord is good. Because we realize who God is, where every good and perfect gift comes from, we should give him the glory. We should give the glory to God. The believer should respond and worship to God since he is the source of good. I once heard uh, a quote, to praise God's goodness is not to praise something other than God himself. It is not to praise something less than him or a part of him, so to speak. It is to praise him. God's goodness is not something that is intelligible in itself apart from everything else that God is. God is good. We should praise him for his goodness. Scripture also declares that for a believer, every event is working out for his good in order to make him into the image of Christ. So when times are hard, when you're suffering, when you're in pain, and I know this is extremely hard, and I know often... We don't want to cry out to God. We don't want to praise him for his goodness when we are in those moments. But I want you to rest on the promise that God is working. He's working for our good. And you should give thanks in every situation. God's goodness evokes worship and thanksgiving despite our circumstances despite our circumstances, despite what you are going through. Throughout the week, how often do you tell God thank you? How often do you worship him for his goodness, for waking up and giving you breath, for revealing to you his son who died for your sins? How often do you praise him for that? Do you think about his goodness when you stand here and you sing those words that he is good, that he is loving, that he is faithful? Do you believe him? 
They're all part of his goodness. Do you believe them to be true? And then God's goodness now in us should produce good works from us. We must constantly be looking back to the source. We must look back to Christ. Why? Ephesians 2.10, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So our, our salvation is not based on the works, but is based on God's good work in us. We do good works because of God's goodness towards us. God's goodness is the standard for our goodness. We are to imagine his goodness. We are to imitate, sorry, imagine, image his goodness. We are to imitate his goodness. And this means we image God himself. You see, our, our moral standard is not impersonal. Our moral standard is not some abstract property. Our moral standard is a person, is our living God who you can have a relationship with. That is our moral standard. And we need to imitate him as believers. Are you zealous? Are you zealous in your giving, in your praying, in your love towards one another, in your forgiveness, in your acts of kindness, in, in, in carrying one another one another's burdens? Are you zealous in your, your mercy? Because we must be zealous in our giving and our praying and our forgiveness and carrying one another's burdens. We must be zealous. We must imitate God's goodness that he poured out on us to this world. Why? For his glory, so that they can see his goodness. We must imitate that God is good because we have a father who is always doing good and we must always look to do good. So in closing, God's goodness means that he is the standard and source of all that is good. Everything he does is ultimately good. Everything he does is ultimately good. And understanding this reality should make us seek to enjoy God's Gifts. It should constantly draw us to worship, to thanksgiving, and ultimately to practice good works. So as children representing their good, good father, I challenge you and I want you to imitate his goodness. His goodness of mercy, his goodness of love, his goodness of forgiveness. He has poured it out to you. He tells you who he is on in his word. Do you believe it? Do you live it? As a Christian, you, you cannot believe that he is all of those things and it not affect your life. So I challenge you today, this afternoon, this week, in this moment, in the next song that we're singing as you worship him for his goodness, to imitate this good, this good, this good father. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to audio from Norris Ferry Community Church located in Shreveport, Louisiana. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Norris Ferry Community Church, please visit us online at norrisferrychurch.org.